you know, what we're doing right now in Manchester is going to last 100 years. Mm. And once it's up, it's up. Yeah. And we, you know, you could just fill it with big square buildings. But that, is that really going to be the best for Manchester or the best for the city of Richmond and, you know, yeah. for all of us? Test, test, one, two, three. You know who I be. It's your boy, Don Wall, a.k.a. Moral SP. Of course, I'm here with Carl, the homie. Welcome to Embrace Matters of Richmond podcast season four. If you're just joining us on our journey, Carl and I have been getting to know our community and the issues that threaten to tear us apart. On today's episode, we dive again, once again, into our MAPS series. This time, we venture to Manchester to learn more about what makes this borough special to the greater Richmond area. We have two amazing guests joining us today from Manchester Alliance board president, Janet Woodka and board member Ann Kramer. Welcome. Welcome y'all. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Welcome to the podcast. Excited um, to be here. <laughs> uh, we, we just met, but we're like new quick friends. Um, <laughs> I would like to first, we normally have some small talk first, but because you guys have joined us, so graciously joined us on the podcast. I would like to do what I would call our shout-out segment first, okay. if that's all right. That's all right. Our shout-out segment is actually called Big Facts. Big Facts is where we, either me or Carl or you guys, uh, will shout-out people, organizations, or events happening already making a difference in Richmond. And this episode's shout-out goes to Manchester Alliance. Manchester Alliance is a neighborhood association encompassing residents, businesses, and property owners that share common ideas and goals for the land and improvements defined by its physical boundaries. Did I get that right? You did. I did get it right. I've never, I've never done a shout out with the people actually sitting <laughs> here with us. Um, but since we, you know, I can draw on all day from what I found on your website or found about about what you about what you guys do. But could you just tell us a little bit about uh, Manchester Alliance and, and what you guys do? And how you formed. And how you formed. Interesting history. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so Manchester Alliance is an organization that is, I wouldn't say it's unique in the city of Richmond because there are other ones that have kind of a similar balance. Um, we represent not only people who live in the neighborhood, mm -hmm. but businesses, people who are developing people who've been there for a long time, mm -hmm. people who work in the neighborhood. That's really all you have to be. Mm -hmm. Basically, you just kind of have to be in the neighborhood to be a part of our organization. The organization was founded probably about 20 years ago, mm -hmm. largely by a group of developers, big landowners, people like Robin Miller was um, very fundamental in the original uh, foundation of Manchester Alliance. Mm -hmm. And they did it because they were looking to kind of reinvigorate the neighborhood. Um, there had been um, one guy uh, who was actually part of what used to be T-Force, then became UPS, mm. um, and he bought up a lot of the land over in Manchester back in the 70s, and then he gave it to the VMFA. Mm. And the VMFA has a real estate trust, and that funds a lot of their operation, and so but the VMFA doesn't want to be a landowner. Mm -hmm. So then the VMFA decided to start selling parcels of land to raise money for its own programming, building, mm -hmm. everything yeah. else. And a number of developers came in and bought fairly big parcels of land themselves, gotcha. Robin Miller being one of them. Mm -hmm. um, another one being uh, Charles McFarland um, and uh, eventually Link's um, ventures and a couple of other organizations and that's kind of what you've seen now in the neighborhood yeah. mm -hmm. building redeveloping old um warehouses you know taking property that was raised and actually putting something on the property and um as that happened over the past mm, 15 years or so mm -hmm. on and off mm -hmm. again um, obviously more residents have moved in. People yeah. have moved into the neighborhood, yeah. live in the neighborhood. We now have some really you know, fantastic businesses. Yeah. Not to say that some of these businesses have also existed for a really long time, yeah. like 
Some of the houses spot. that I saw was really mm -hmm. nice down there yeah. too. And yeah. Robin started, and the developers started getting a lot of that property in the early, like 2005, which was just before the crash. And then the crash came. And so things mm -hmm. really got quiet. Mm -hmm. um, but as a at Manchester Alliance developers, they kept meeting through all of that time. And then I would say around 2015, 16, the growth really started happening. The buildings started going up yeah. because the market had changed and everything. Um, and up until about um, 2020, it was very much a development board. Manchester Alliance had mainly developers on it and a few of the local businesses. And starting around 2020, uh, we could start to see that we were moving from development to many people beginning to move into the community. Mm -hmm. And the flavor of Manchester Alliance started to change as new board members came on that had nothing to do with development. I was one, Maria, Kim Tran, we we're like, okay, there's people living here. How are we going to make Manchester Alliance in this next transition? And so in these last four years, and Janet joined, what, two years ago, mm -hmm. it's really been a shift into a new, I, I, I call it phase two of Manchester Alliance. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a, much more about the people. And yeah. I would say yeah. that, you know, when we talk about there not being residents, obviously there were there have been people yeah. who live in, in the Manchester neighborhood and they've lived there for an incredibly long time. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, that's one of the things I like about the neighborhood the most. You know, you can go someplace like Ironclad Sports Bar and I can sit down with somebody who just moved into the neighborhood, yeah. you know, three weeks ago mm -hmm. or, you know, an old timer who's like literally been there since, you know, they were born, yeah. you know, and uh, lived there for 70 mm -hmm. or 80 years. And, you know, in the neighborhood, places like that are very welcoming mm -hmm. you know it's you know every walk of life every background yeah you know it's just it's so interesting to yeah. me you know mm -hmm. to be able to sit and have a pizza and like yeah. i said it could be a doctor next to you it could be you know a korean vet it yeah. could be you know a musician it's just mm -hmm. a really interesting vibe yeah wow. that's what i felt when i came to the meeting um i, I came late sorry I'm i was tardy that's my fault I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'll be on time next time. I'll be on time next time. Hold me accountable. Um, but when I got there, I did feel that vibe. At first, you know, I'm I'm naturally actually shy. I know that's hard to believe. But walking into a room that's already got their thing going on, a whole lot of people, I'm like, ugh, I don't want to walk in there. Um, but when I did and I, and I found a seat, um, I didn't know anybody. Like, I didn't know the people I was sitting with. They were like, oh, yeah, sit with us, you know. And then um, just the the energy was very much camaraderie and support. Um, that's what I definitely felt from it. And that's what I kind of got from everyone I spoke to. Um, everyone was like-minded in that way. And that's really refreshing. Um, so that is why you guys get our today's episode shout out. Um, and this, this is a special episode because this is episode 50. Goodness gracious. <laughs> episode 50 shout out goes to Manchester Alliance. Thank you guys for the awesome work that you guys do. If you embracers out there want to uh, join a meeting, uh, all are welcome to attend their monthly Manchester Alliance meetings held at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on the second Thursday of every Monday or every month at local Manchester establishments. Uh, members will be notified of the latest meeting location on their Facebook group, Instagram page, and by email. So uh, recordings of the past meetings can also be accessed on their Manchester Alliance Facebook page. So you can find them on uh, the socials there, but um, links to their pages will also be in our show notes. So definitely check them out if you are in Richmond. Uh, definitely check out Manchester Alliance. Okay, friends, I have a fun small talk question. I'm trying something new, okay? Usually I have like a top five thing, but I got something different. I call this, if this was that, that's okay. the type of question it is, Carl. If this was that, okay, friends. All right. If Manchester, the area, yeah. Okay. If Manchester, we took that. If Manchester was a three-course meal, okay. What would it be? And I need, I need what, I need what the appetizer is, the main course, and the dessert. If Manchester and everything that you know about it, its culture, its flavor, its people, if you could jam that into a three-course meal, what would it be? Wh whoever wants to go first, go first. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, do you need a type of cuisine, or can it be any kind? 
it can be any, like, like what's actually on the plates. Okay, so we can mix and match. You can huh? mix and match. You can be creative too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, appetizer. No, I'm going to go main course. Okay. Main okay. course to me for Manchester is um, s- s- kind of simple food, basic food. Um, everyone's welcome. You know what I mean? It's mm. not hoity-toity, or, but you can get it if you want. I mean, we, it's yeah. such a mix of what's available. So you can get a great barbecue. Okay. You can get a great beer. Um, it's just, to me, a pleasant main course place to go, you so, know? So this would be a plate that someone would get at, like, Golden Corral, like a, like a buffet. Like uh, they oh, they get a no, plate and no. they just they just pile no, no, on a whole no, no, bunch no, of different not, food. It's, um, I think we have a bit more style than Golden Corral. Okay. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe, well, I'm talking about a, a buffet, a really it's nice a bu- buffet. Yeah, I would call you know, it a great buffet. People put different stuff on the plate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you can get almost anything you want there. That's fair. A Thanksgiving plate, maybe that's better. That's See, better. and I would probably. I would say, well, okay, maybe it's an appetizer. I would say, mm. you know, the appetizer would be like a, a bowl of gumbo. You know, mm. it's got it. You know, it depends on who makes it, right? They're always right. a little bit different. Mm. And actually, even if you do try to follow the same recipe every time, it's always just slightly different. Mm. You know, and it could be a, it. One day it could be a chicken and sausage gumbo, and the other day it's a seafood gumbo. But the other thing that's interesting about gumbo, you know, is gumbo has roots. That's true. Coming from everywhere. That's true. You know, and I think to me that is like the the true essence of Manchester would be like it's like a gumbo. Mm. People come, some of them, like I said, are old timers. They they're you know born and bred Richmonders. Mm-hmm. They've born and bred Southsiders. Other people are are brand new to the city. Yeah. You know, and I think that that to me is you know everybody's bringing something to it. So to me, it's it a, a gumbo would be to me the the epitome of it. I can get that. Wow, this is going to be a great uh, deep dive into Manchester, I would say. Okay, gumbo and a mix and match plate. Oh. That's what I'm. That's yeah. what I'm gonna take from it. Okay. 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 Carl, you know about Manchester. Yeah. You know what? I, I can't. Think... I'm the only one in the room that can't answer this question. I think I might go through a tour of Manchester's cuisine. So to start off, okay. I would go for some some wings from Croker Spot. Okay. And then for the meal. There's a sandwich at Golden Lion that I really like, and then an aperitif at Jubilee for a cocktail. Wow. I like that. (laughs) Carl did not know this question was going to be asked. No, I did not. (laughs) You're better at improv than I am. Okay, so what I wanted to do with this episode, or what me and Carl wanted to do with this episode, was really um, kind of briefly talk about uh, Manchester's past, like Mm -hmm. Inception. and then kind of zero in on like the the ups and downs it went through to like now to like what's going on now, and then hopefully we can kind of discuss its you know its hopeful future. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely what I got from coming to the to the meeting is that there is a hopeful future uh, being planned, being discussed, being fought for. Mm-hmm. There's a hopeful future. Yeah. Um, but starting out my uh, research for Manchester. Uh, I briefly read about, and this is funny because I really lean into history class when I teach at work. So um, it was a site that was naturally like suited for industry. That's what I kind of got from some of the research is yep. that you had different mills. Yeah, flour um, mills. You had flour mills, you had the bird bird mills, mail mill, um, connected some of the dots there. Um, parachute factory. Parachute factory. I used to live there. Um, but I kind of got that the canal was an area for the slaves coming in. I there could be wrong. Def- no, Correct there me. was definitely slave markets in Manchester okay. in the early days. Definitely. Okay. Um, and it competed heavily with Richmond and it never quite got the I did get respect, that. I, I guess you could say, until I got that there was a beef. much later. I didn't even think about that. There was a beef. Who was going to be the city? Who was going to be the city? Who was going to be the city? And yeah, yeah, there was a big, there was a a very significant slave trade. Yeah. Um, And in fact, it continued even after there was an abolition of importation Mm -hmm. of of, of people from Africa um, or other countries. Um, It became the gateway basically for the South. For Mm -hmm. anybody who was no longer allowed to keep slaves, they Mm -hmm. would bring them to Manchester and they would basically be funneled South from here. Um, largely in Encaros Narrows, but a lot of the um, 
markets were on the north side of the river. Yeah. Um, is there a connection between, well, obviously the slave trade is also probably why Manchester have such a historically black representation? Maybe, maybe that's a bad connection. But I was trying to connect that. Is Manchester's slave trade connected to Shackle Bottom? Yes. Okay, because yes. we already talked about Shackle Bottom, and that's interesting. Yes, so they would actually um, unload um, mm. in Ancaro's Narrows. There were a couple of, of uh, ports off in Ancaro's Narrows, which is, you know, that little spit. If you come across the Mayo Bridge and you would go yeah. left. Okay. Yeah, by the water plant. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, poop loop. <laughs> Down there, <laughs> that, that's, and, um, a, that's a good name for it. And um, and so they would um, unload, and they would actually bring the slaves um, through the woods and across the Mayo Bridge, and um, a couple of interesting stories about that. I read one that talked about the fact that oftentimes it would be at night mm. because other people were offended by this. Okay, um, which I found. Okay, great. Um, anyway, but there were uh, most of the uh, jails and the markets and all were on in Shaco Bottom mm -hmm. and on the north side. Um, it wasn't until, you know, the Mayo Bridge was actually a toll bridge for most of its yeah. uh, early existence. And so there wasn't a lot of back and forth across the river like nothing like we do now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it really wasn't until what's called the Free Bridge, which is the Manchester Bridge, yeah. was built. And that wasn't until I think the late 1800s. Yeah. And uh, what I also read <clears throat> in the research or kind of connected, cor please correct me if I'm wrong. This is a humble podcast. <laughs> um, that the bridges were the slave trail routes, essentially. Like um, 95... Uh, Route one sixty, like the current infrastructure. Yeah, was the, the infrastructure mimicking. is mimicking oh, wow. the different areas that they were coming in. But I mean, obviously, that time that was that was huge. Um, another fa uh, amazing fact: uh, Thomas Jefferson. He was a governor in Manchester. Mm. He lived in Manchester. I did not. Know I that. did not. Maybe know I'm that. misinterpreting these facts, but what it made is it made it sound like that Thomas Jefferson was a governor um, at the time where a lot of the mills were going up in Manchester, and uh, that was the time where Benedict Arnold came and torched Richmond or that that east yes. east area. Oh, interesting. I did not um, know that. I did not know that. I didn't either. know that either, but you learned something new. <laughs> exactly, right? Maybe I need to reread it and make sure that that's what I'm saying. Although that's you correct. could be right, because back then there were only a very few landowners who had huge mm -hmm. tracts of land and yeah. connections. And governor could be something else. Than like, what we think of as right, governor it's today. A leader mm -hmm. of some, some municipality or maybe a, of a group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the Mayo family, they're, they're the ones that granted the state charter to connect Richmond and Manchester? It's my understanding um, that, you know... The toll bridge. They had, they built yeah. a bridge and they charged people. And and interestingly, when the, uh, the free bridge was built, the Mayo family actually administered that, which is why I was a little bit confused because oh. they kept calling it the free bridge, but then they said the Mayo family administered it. So I said, mm -hmm. was it originally a toll bridge and then became a free bridge? That that part for me is a little unclear in the history as well. So maybe yeah. one of your listeners can yeah. chime in, uh, you know, correct and us. let us know. Yeah, please correct us. Okay, so um, I kept seeing the 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 nickname Dogtown. Mm -hmm. Where did what does that where did that come from? There are a couple of theories yeah. about the the name Dogtown. Yeah. Uh, one is that. Uh, and if you look at Manchester, mm -hmm. it actually looks like a dog's head from a map. From bird's eye. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the other is that there were lots and lots of dogs in Manchester, largely just running around. Feral? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the, you know, 1800s, 1900s, I don't know that there were a lot of pet dogs back then unless you were hunting with them. So I don't know. But apparently there were lots of pseudo feral, at least roaming the streets, dogs. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the other is is that it is a, a derogatory term for um, people of color. Hmm, that's true. Um, and so 
It uh, now I will say the interesting part about Manchester is it is an extraordinarily dog friendly community. <laughs> That's true. There are everybody's got a dog. Everybody it seems a like dog. you and, can't live in Manchester if you don't have a dog. And and so many places are you know you can bring them in with you. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, full circle. Full circle. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. I, we titled the episode "Dogtown's Commerce," so yeah. uh, <laughs> it was like, hopefully, I can find out what is the story behind that. Um, but moving through history, um, in 1874, Manchester becomes an independent city, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing, and it remained one until 1910. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, can you guys tell us a little bit about what what made what put Manchester, I guess, in a position? to have to then or now lean on Richmond in, in the way that it is now. It, it was independent city, mm-hmm. but then it kind of went through its phase. From what I read, it's it was financial. In, mm-hmm. in the long run, all of the energy was going to Richmond and it was building the city up and it was you know being left on the other side. And so when they finally decided to annex and bring it together, it was really to try to help Manchester grow mm-hmm. and get more of the funding um, because they weren't separate any longer. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And um, it was a political um, issue as well. That's, um, that's and there was a referendum, um, which I'm sure was extraordinarily contentious at the time. Politics yeah. of its day. Um, yes. And the two conditions on annexation um, were that Manchester kept its own courthouse, mm-hmm. which we still have, mm-hmm. and that there be a free bridge that you could get in and out without having to pay a toll. Yeah. So um, I think there were probably, you know, multiplicity of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some issue. Manchester had been the county seat for Chesterfield. Mm-hmm. And then when it became incorporated, it was no longer for some reason, which, I, again, politics probably more than anything. And um, so... For better or for worse, we are the uh, we are part of uh, <laughs> the city, the city. Yeah. and uh, you know it's 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 always super interesting to me because you know there is a Manchester, England as well. Mm-hmm. There is, and it is its own city, and you know we always laugh because every now and then when we have we post things on our mm. one of our socials, we get a lot of comment. Manchester, yeah. England. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. By mistake or by yeah. like offense? Mm-hmm. Like, in their feed mm-hmm. and they can't tell the difference. Okay. That is hilarious. Um, there is, it's actually really interesting. A lot of people in Richmond, obviously they don't live, I would say this far. People that live west, uh, you know, when you say Manchester, they don't know. Right. They don't know that there's like, there's no, like in your city that you live in, there's a section that's called Manchester. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, and that's, honestly why we started doing these type of episodes because there's so many different little boroughs little communities that have their own culture their own you know outlook and thoughts and views and stuff and it's just so like great to dive into each one of those um but yeah so moving forward through history from 1910 the 1970s there was a shift or change in Mm -hmm. manchester again um where it started to see a decline can you guys talk talk to that decline a little bit well, that decline would have been what you saw across this country. It mm-hmm. was white flight. It was the move out to the suburbs and west. Yeah, That's here right. it would have been west. But um, yeah, and the cities were being abandoned, mm-hmm. and so Manchester would have been a part of that abandonment as well. Mm-hmm. And um, that's also when um, what she was talking about before with um, T fours were the. Um, the gentleman who started buying up lots because so many were abandoned, so many houses were abandoned, and they and he started buying up the lots with the intention to turn Manchester actually into a trucking hub. Oh, okay. Right? And the goal was to, it was right off 95, it would have been perfect and all that kind of stuff. For some reason, he was never able to get enough contiguous lots to make it a trucking hub with the actual trucks, but then just turned it into more office space and then that's when he um eventually by the i think it was the 90s realized i'm never going to make this happen and that's when the vmfa came in to take or they he gave him the lots type Mm. of thing so from the 70s on it has been a huge transition i think there were a number of things going on you know again when you when you talk about the 70s we also talk about a manufacturing decline yeah right and and manchester was 
a very industrial yeah. neighborhood. Um, there was a Reynolds aluminum plant, um, mm-hmm. you know, right there. In fact, I think somebody said to me that like 90% of the aluminum foil that was made in the country <laughs> was Reynolds made right. there. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's one of the reasons that we have such an, you know, an interesting network of mm. railroads right in, mm-hmm. in richmond oh, yeah. you know they're everywhere in richmond there yeah. is no neighborhood that you do not hear you <laughs> some know type of, some yeah. type of you know train rattling by mm. you know some kind of you know whistle or screeching or whatever you might want to you know hear from a train but um you know in the 70s a lot of manufacturing also started to move shift shutter mm-hmm. um again richmond's not a super big port and a lot of things were moving from rail to air mm, yeah or to you know water, water yeah. movement and so um you know i think and as as ann was noting without a without a significant kind of trucking presence i think a lot of the i think it was probably a little bit of all of the above the uh, industry was moving out in part because there wasn't like multimodal ways yeah. to get their product to market. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we saw massive consolidation in the mm-hmm. railroad industry at the time. Um, I mean, that's when we got ended up with, you know, first Southern Railroad, then Norfolk Southern Railroad, right? Everybody was buying each other. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, when you, when you look at like the history of, of railroads, mm-hmm. that's when we ended up with kind of very few railroads once again. And what happens when you have fewer? Yeah. Prices go up. Price Prices yeah. go up, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think there was a lot of movement of these industri- these former industrial facilities shuttering for a number of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, combined with his name was J. Harwood Cochran. <laughs> I don't know why that sounds familiar. I don't know. It does to me, too. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, and he started buying up a lot of property, but then mm-hmm. it still didn't work for whatever reasons and so he you know transferred which is actually lucky for all of us yeah yeah because i'm happier that manchester is not a trucking hub (laughs) yeah most definitely um is so like those are great sum up of like what kind of changed it from industrial but once it left from industrial it seems like it became fertile ground for residential or being a residential area uh did it start off with redlining and African-Americans being kind of forced to live in the Manchester area and then it changed or like what, what started the boom of the residential Manchester? So I don't, I don't believe that there was a lot of redlining um, in this particular area. Not that Mm -hmm. I have heard or seen. There are, you know, areas that remain very, very heavily, um, black owned you know mm-hmm. we've got the blackwell neighborhood which really hasn't uh, changed a whole lot mm-hmm. over the past yeah. 40 50 60 years um you still see a lot of residents in those neighborhoods and when you go north of commerce um most of those buildings and most of those residences with oh, we'll talk about a couple of the exceptions mm-hmm. um there are streets where you can still see you know their older homes they are definitely people who have lived in the neighborhood for a very long time. Yeah. Um, when you go up Hull Street, obviously that has not, unfortunately, uh, mm-hmm. been reinvigorated the way that we are hoping it will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are then kind of chunks of land that were purchased and redeveloped. Again, yeah. we were talking about Robin Miller earlier, and there are kind of fairly significant portions that are north of Commerce mm-hmm. where he built townhouses. Um, and thankfully those are largely either individually owned or people own one or two. Um, so more home ownership on that side. When you come south or when you come north of commerce, Mm -hmm. um, towards the river is where we saw the large, um, development happen, either redevelopment or development. And that happened for a number of different reasons. Mm -hmm. One was that um, most of Manchester became kind of several different zones, all of which have like crazy, crazy tax benefits. Okay. Okay. So for example, most of Manchester is a historic district. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not a historic district, though, like the fan. That's fair. It is a state historic district. And a state historic district is completely different. And it comes with a whole bunch of tax benefits, including historic um, redevelopment tax credits. Mm. Mm-hmm. We are also what is called an opportunity zone. Okay. An opportunity zone also brings all kinds of different tax benefits. For example, if you buy a piece of land and you develop it, mm-hmm. um, say you buy say you buy the piece of land for a million dollars. Okay. And you put two million dollars into it, building an apartment building. And if you hold it for ten years, mm-hmm. and you sell it for ten million dollars. You don't pay any capital gains. Wow. So there's a variety of different types of tax credits that were available Mm. to developers. Um, And now, mind you, before they, I think before they bought the land, I think there was a let's make sure all this happens. And then the land obviously became a lot more attractive Mm -hmm. and development became a lot more attractive. Yeah. And I think if you talk to most of them, um, they'll tell you, yeah, I wouldn't have done those deals if it weren't for the number of tax credits I got. Gotcha. And you know another thing I think that also happened in that 2015-16, like, was the Teapot Bridge. Mm. Yep. And that opened up a channel between downtown Richmond and, and Manchester for people to now live in Manchester and walk to work. And I think mm-hmm. along with the developers doing their thing, it was just a good marriage all at the right time. Yeah. Things were happening that said, this place is really going to be cool, you yeah. know, and people were walking back and forth and discovering Manchester in a way, because mm-hmm. as we both will say, you don't want to walk over Mayo Bridge. and But when you can walk over the teapot, yeah. you're safe. When I lived in the Parachute Factory, People would cross the bridge at night, and it'd be kind of sketchy going mm-hmm. from Shaco back yeah. to the south side. Um, but yeah, since we're on it right now, I'm wondering what makes Manchester so unique and special right now? Yeah. Gosh, lots of things. I know, if, um, I'll give my side too. Yeah. So I live in yeah. Richmond co-housing, or okay. co-housing oh. community. Yes. And we made, you know, we looked for a long time where to find land. And it was not easy to find land, obviously. We wanted to be urban. And when we finally chose Manchester, it was because it was a walkable um, area, the Teapot Bridge. A lot of our folks walk and ride bike and go across using it all the time. Um, So it it seemed like it was going to turn into a neighborhood where you could get to know people. And and that has turned out to be true. And so... um, I think for a lot of people moving into the area, it offers a lot of attractive um, possibilities of putting down roots and yeah. discovering a great place. Yeah, I think what makes you know Manchester so interesting and desirable is um, a the mix in the neighborhood: mm-hmm. old, new, yeah. young, old. You know, lots of different income levels. Um, you know, there are swanky apartments that people are paying a lot of money for yeah. that you look like out Hollywood of the river. Apartments. Um, and there are, you know, small little renovated lofts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are, there's rental, there's ownership. Um, I like it because of the mix. I think that makes it super interesting. I like the friendliness. It feels like a small town mm-hmm. on yeah, our side does. of the river. And, yeah. um, and as Anne was saying, you know, the, 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 the proximity to everything else, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. while right now the mayo is, is, a, is a little, mm, you don't, I cross it a lot, but it is, <laughs> you know, you are like, oh, okay, let me like think about this. Um, you know, and that's just largely because there are no curbs, there is no pedestrian safety on it. Um, it's not, you know, anything dangerous otherwise, in my opinion, but you know, you walk across the Mayo Bridge and you're in Shaco Bottom. Mm-hmm. You walk across the Potterfield Bridge and you are, you know, really you know, close Browns to this island. Yeah, well, yeah. this yeah. part of the city. Or attending uh, a festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I will tell you, it's a really nice place if you like music because yeah. you know, yeah. we we walk to Friday Cheers. We walk to anything that happens on on Browns, Browns Island. island yeah. We festival. we're about to get a new amphitheater that we'll all be exactly. able to walk to. Yeah, that's exactly. very true. Yeah. So yeah. It, that's it, what we say. It's great. And you know, I think. The fact that we have this tremendous resource running through the city in, in, in that it's the river, um, you know, there's nothing like going and just mm-hmm. sitting there sometimes and, 
you know, watching, you, you watch bald eagles, you yeah. watch osprey. Mm-hmm. And again, I love the fact that the James River Park brings every kind of person to it. That's true. Yeah. And, um, you know, just having that and having miles and miles of trails mm-hmm. and having access to the whole entire city, everything is yeah. really yeah, easy. Yeah, I, I never think twice if I want to come up here for lunch, like to maybe Mama Chase or whatever, I'll yeah. walk it. It's okay. walkable from Manchester Street. Mm-hmm. Okay, because it's almost like a straight shot. Because you have the bridges now, right? Yeah, it's maybe a 20-minute, 30-minute walk. Yes. Yeah, yeah I do it all the time. I've yes. read that um, the population has tripled in Manchester in the past decade. I believe that, that would be, yeah, true. Wow. I would think. And especially so in the last, what, three or four years? Yeah. 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 Well, and like I was saying earlier, it's also why Manchester Alliance has changed so much. In the okay. early days, it was developers and pretty much no one came to the meetings because what would have been the point, you know? But now, like in 2020, myself, Maria, who used to be board president, um, we joined the board. And I think the rest of the board, the old timers were like, people are coming, you know? And then little by little by little, it has grown. And like the Mm -hmm. meeting you came to, how many people do you think were there that night? 40, 50 people there? Yeah, I would say we probably average about, you know, somewhere between 40 and 60, depending on, you know, time of year and, you know, and we we try to treat it as an informational session. Mm -hmm. You know, what do people Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood want to and need to know? Yeah. Um, And this year or starting last year, we changed it. For the longest time, it was always at Legends. It was always at Legends. Mm -hmm. And... um, then we started getting bigger and bigger, and then we started making a decision of let's share some of the other businesses. And so now we it, we were doing it every three months, I think, for 2024. It's every two months we will go to a different uh, business, and it allows uh, the community to come out and discover That's and, good. you know, yeah. have a beer while you're also have- – at the meeting type of thing and or mm. discover a new restaurant that you oh gosh I didn't know so that's yeah. we're really trying to spread our wings into the community and have everybody talking to each other and it's been a great transition over these last four or five years yeah um, I wanted to touch on some of the um, well some of the one one issue that I kind of read about and I pulled it out because we already kind of did episodes on food insecurity mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to get, I guess, from you guys, your perspective on uh, Manchester and its bout with uh, grocery stores yeah. or being so far away from grocery stores. Can you guys talk a little bit about uh, just some of the challenges that Manchester I think with? I think, you know, there's there's um, it is a, a major source of frustration mm-hmm. among uh, the people who live in Manchester that we do not have a grocery store of right. any kind. We have a couple of small markets. Yeah, um, bodegas. But, yeah, like but you know, we uh, we don't have anything that remotely resembles you know someplace that you can really go and get produce mm-hmm. or you know meats or cheeses or you know anything like that. Right. Um, milk, you know, eggs, and I, I think that is a a huge problem. Um, mm-hmm. We continue to ask. Um, mm-hmm. My personal opinion about this is having lived in other cities where this can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand grocery stores have a very small margin, right? Oh, they have very specific needs. You need to be able to have deliveries. Um, some of our some areas in our neighborhood are really just not appropriate for a grocery store because the streets are old. They're very yeah. narrow. There's yeah, no fair, parking. Yeah. Um, it'd be very difficult to get you know deliveries in or out. Yeah. Um, but that being said, there are areas that are very the, appropriate for a grocery yeah. store. And DC has found a fix for that problem. Exactly. About, you know, there's Kroger's and Walmart's that's in parking decks. Like it's a parking deck and inside the parking deck is a Walmart or right. whatever. I yeah. used to live in Logan Circle, so there I know this very well. Right. And yes. And so I think that there are extremely accessible places for mm. a Trader Joe's, a Target, a, you know, the yeah. things that people really need. Um, I think what is, is lacking in that is I do think it requires some city involvement. Yeah. I think it requires the city saying, this is a need for this neighborhood. We are going to work with you. Mm-hmm. We are going to entice people. Um, we are going to, you know, somehow help broker the deal. I mean, that is actually mm-hmm. what happens in Washington, D.C. Yeah. The city is involved in, in right. getting those types of 
amenities into the neighborhoods. Right. And I, that's what I think we need. And I yeah. think that there are some, look, we have empty T-Force sites. T-Force mm. is leaving. Yeah. There are three surface lots. Yeah. Right mm. up there, you know, SEMS and, and so, yeah. Corden. I don't know what would be easier to be able to get trucks oh, in yeah. and out than there. Yeah. And, you know, the thought that we'll just put in another 10-story apartment building with with no grocery right. store. With no grocery, with no grocery store. store. Yeah. It's that yeah. short-sightedness, you know. I mean, to me, if they added a grocery store, you would see Manchester explode on a whole other level. Because Absolutely. it's one of those things that is like, eh, I don't think I want to move here if I don't have a grocery. If you had one, what's the problem? Of course you'd be moving in here. Yeah. And so, so we're hoping the city will wake up and not just think another apartment is the best investment, tax-wise, whatever. But the grocery, the need for that would make everything else better all okay. the way around. Can you tell me what you're, you're so we've, you see in the news recently with a lot of the, the population booming, the development that's been happening, all this, this recent change especially, mm-hmm. what, what sort of challenges are coming from that and what are you hearing from the community and what are they, what are they asking for? I think Richmond's good at studies. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, I'm but there's teacher. lots of studies. Yeah. I'm on yes. the board of a park, and there, there are studies. so many studies. There's I'm always a teacher, studies. So, you know, yeah, there's always study. a study, right? And what would be really nice is to see the studies implemented. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, no more master plans. No more master plans. Just implement what we've already done. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting because when you look at them, there were all kinds of areas in Manchester that were slated mm-hmm. to be public green space, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be, you know, the streets were supposed to get changed so that you know the sidewalks were redone and maybe yeah. they became one lane maybe they actually put trees you know down the plant middle some of trees wow. right yeah, plant some trees and when we look at them when i look at those maps and mm-hmm. those plans now almost every single solitary piece that was slated mm-hmm. has been sold to a developer mm-hmm. and we're not asking the developers you go to henrico yeah and guess what they do Henrico says, you want to build that apartment building, you have to build have a park. To, yeah. You have to put money into the schools. Yep. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have yeah. to like Henrico put the stoplight in. You have to put you know street lights in. Yeah. And uh, this, the city of Richmond doesn't require that yeah. of the developers. Quid pro quo. And I think what we're looking at, one of our biggest challenges with the rapid growth is so much development has been approved some of it's on hold now, again, due to market conditions. Mm-hmm. It would be a great time to say, do we really need more apartments? Do we need condos, mm-hmm. which would increase home ownership opportunities for people at a lesser level? Okay. Yeah. Do we need green space? Do we need um, a grocery store? Do we need a drugstore? Do we mm-hmm. need, what, what do we need in the neighborhood? And what's frustrating is it was all laid out in these plans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seems sometimes that the city ignored everything in the plans except for increased density. You know, mm-hmm. increase the density, keep building, keep building bigger, keep building taller. And I, I worry that all the city right now requires if you want to build, if, if this table is a lot and you own mm-hmm. the whole lot. Yeah. There's no setback requirement, so you don't have to make the street bigger. You don't have to make the sidewalk bigger. Some of our sidewalks aren't accessible if you are no. mobility limited. Yeah. yeah. Um, the city should be requiring you to build a little bit back so our sidewalks are wider. We could actually put tree wells in because they say mm-hmm. your sidewalks aren't wide enough for us to put trees in. Well, then ask the developers to take 10 feet back, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the other interesting part is is that when you look at something like that, it's like, well, you know, do you really need the whole lot? Mm-hmm. And all you're required to do on the ground level is put in one area that is 20 feet deep for retail. Yeah. And instead of saying, what would, an, what would a restaurant really need? Mm-hmm. And 20 feet deep is a long, skinny restaurant. Yeah. And this is one of the roles Manchester Alliance also is trying to think about doing, that it's 
up in the past, it was just, you want to develop, you got it. Now, when developers come in, we're trying to get a toehold in to say, okay, let's talk and make it better for everyone and do some other things. And I don't think that's ever happened in Manchester before. Mm-hmm. And are we very good at it? Mm, we're learning. You okay. know you know what I mean? We're yeah. trying. And um, trying to get the city to pay attention. Of this is, you know, what we're doing right now in Manchester is going to last 100 years. Mm-hmm. And once it's up, it's up. Yeah. And we, you know, you could just fill it with big square buildings. But that, is that really going to be the best for Manchester or the best for the city of Richmond and, you know, yeah. for all of us? And what Janet's saying is, you know, trying to add some thoughtfulness in this development versus yeah. just maximizing for square footage and, and profit um, has to be thought about if we're going to really create a great city versus just a packed city. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Um, I guess what I take away from it is uh, there's a lot of people in Manchester on the on the streets, on the ground. There's people that have a need, but they know exactly what will be the fix. You know, like, hey, we should do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would challenge Richmond, if Richmond is listening, <laughs> to listen. <laughs> um, whoever, whoever you are and you're listening to this, if you want to know what's going on with Manchester, listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and listen. I think, it's, I think that's a valuable lesson, a lesson that we've been kind of teaching anyway, is that um, it's, it's time for us to listen to each other um, and understand, seek to understand each other. Because uh, these issues, they continue. Uh, and they impact generations um, and stuff like that. I mean, we, like I said, we already did a whole three episodes on food insecurity and we studied what that does Mm -hmm. to adults, but also children, you know, um, and stuff like that. And I can imagine if the population is growing in Manchester, there's families or people are going to start families. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those things are important, um, especially if we, you know, we're building amphitheater, we're building all these things. I know. But we have to make sure that, like, man, this is supposed to be a place where people live. Like, people mm-hmm. live here. Got to be able to support it all. Exactly. Exactly. Um, do you have any final questions before I... I do. Uh, answer. Like, right. Thinking about your community and the surrounding community of Manchester, what, um, from those points of view, do you think would be the ideal vision for Manchester 10, 15, 20 years from now? Oh, yeah. Huh. Well, as Janet said, more green space, which we've kind of lost, and if mm-hmm. there's any way to find a way to bring more of that in. Um, grocery store, walkable city, that it keeps uh, we, all of the streets get their sidewalks finished up because yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of them don't have it. But, yeah, a place where kids can run around and um, get to enjoy walking over to Browns Island and enjoying mm-hmm. you know, the folk festival and um, just it's a joy to live in the city because everything's accessible and um, it just makes it, you know, we have less and less cars. Our, we dream of yeah. less and less cars mm-hmm. and making it a place where that's possible. That's fair. Yeah, I think that there's so many cities that have, have reborn. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Detroit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, look at where Detroit was 20 years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. and they have been thoughtful Mm -hmm. and they have preserved you know you have to preserve too um it it almost made me cry there was one of the very last old carriage houses was in manchester and yeah got torn down and you know i i think that you need to keep the old you Mm want to keep some of that history and some of that feeling as you build new and you can do it by paying homage you can do it by listening, as you said, which I think is very valid, listening to the community and what does the community want. It can also be, you know, you did some of this work. You did these studies. Like, yeah. at least even look at what you already did. But I do think it's also it would be interesting. I know, look, I, I don't want to know a RBA, but um, I think there are lessons to be learned from other cities yeah. and how they've done it and why they've done it. And I think... If we did that, I think all of Richmond would become more livable. Yeah. You know, I think the the issues that we're struggling with in Manchester are very similar in Scott's edition. I think they're very yeah. similar in Shaka Bottom. Definitely. I think that you know there are there are other parts of the city that are are struggling with 
the balance and understand mm-hmm. I live in a city and I'm going to have lots and lots of neighbors. I'm not going to have six acres around me or whatever, but I don't <laughs> want that. Yeah. You know, I don't want that, but I also, that doesn't mean I don't want livability. It doesn't right. mean I don't want some trees. It doesn't mean I don't want to be able to bike safely, you know, mm-hmm. put bike lanes in, you know, I love the, I love the teapot bridge. I mm-hmm. love that. We should have more of that. Yeah. You know, we yeah. should have more of how, how we are connected from the north side to the south side. Yeah. I think anything we can do to promote the connections between the two sides would be also super valuable. Yeah, I agree. Um, I am going to do something I haven't done before. I uh, think this is two things he hasn't done this, before. Uh, this on is, episode 50. This is episode 50. <laughs> Moral is on a roll here. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give you guys my final thoughts. Okay. Instead of me, uh, I'm going to open the floor for you guys uh, to, you know, if, if you have, I have a question to lead you into them. Um, but if you could just, ex- if you could explain Manchester in three words, okay. what would they be? And that would be our final thoughts for the episode. <laughs> Who's first? Who's <laughs> I'd say energy. Okay. Joy. Discovery. Okay. All right. I would say history. Mm. Connection. And diversity. Awesome. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't say it any better than that. Anyway. So, um, man, thank you guys so much. Thank you for having for us. Joining yeah. us. Thanks for letting um, us share the story of Manchester. Most yeah. definitely, such an educational and just refreshing, like, like talk. <laughs> you know? Well, we want to thank you for you and your energy and for doing this podcast yeah, because it's, uh, you now have a new subscriber. Awesome. Solid. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> one by one, y'all, we will take over Richmond. Um, <laughs> but uh, speaking of subscribing, uh, thank you for that segue. Uh, you guys can support us by subscribing, uh, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts or Google uh and or Spotify, whatever you listen on, please make sure you subscribe and please consider leaving a review or asking a question or however you want to engage with the podcast. Please make sure you do it. You can always reach out to us on our Instagram page at embrace underscore podcast. Um, and, you know, please just, you know, send us a, a message. Uh, tell us how you liked it or tell us how you hated it. <laughs> tell us. <laughs> um, hopefully you didn't hate it. I mean, that was, this was just such great wisdom. Um, and learning but uh, please make sure you hit us up we are more than you know happy to talk with you guys more about these things because we have to learn together we have to grow together so friends on our next episode carl and i will be returning back to our main topic of gun violence uh this time we have done our research so we will see you on the next episode we love you peace (music) 